many of us have been uh, sort of encouraged to create a grid that you know says we who has marketing skills, who has accounting skills, who has legal skills, and we profile the existing board and we look for gaps and try to find somebody who is an attorney or an accountant or a marketing person. And to me, those are shouldn't be the primary filters for, for looking for board members. Welcome to Transcending Home Care. Stan Massey of Transcend Strategy Group holds vital discussions with other experts on insights and ideas to help providers succeed in the ever-changing landscape of home-based health care. For more than 18 years now, Stan has helped providers of senior care and home-based care build their brands to increase referrals, admissions, staff retention, and performance scores. This episode features a conversation with special guest Bill Music, founder of Integrity 3D, a company focused on improving hospice care across the country. With decades of experience in the entire continuum of health services, Bill has a passion for working with chief executives and board of directors to achieve new levels of effectiveness. Listen to Bill and Stan discuss the traits of a strong board. Bill, you and I have known each other quite a few years, and it's great to have you as a guest on our podcast. Thanks so much for having this conversation with me today. Sure, Stan. It's a pleasure. Not-for-profit organizations have the reality of operating under a board of directors. And my experience in working with many of these organizations is that their board can be a tremendous help or sometimes at least a little bit of a hindrance. I've heard you speak in the past about a high-performing board. What are some of the key characteristics you see that make a board high-performing? I don't think it's ever been more important for hospices to have a high-performing board, except perhaps back in the days of all-volunteer hospices. But I think the, the Medicare hospice benefit has sort of created, it's been both a godsend but also a crutch, and that many hospice organizations have been able to sort of get by on autopilot in some, to some extent with boards that aren't working to their fullest potential. And what I mean by full potential or high performing are boards that are doing three key things. One is they're developing a supportive partnership with the chief executive where they have the type of relationships that allows them to both challenge each other, but also to look out for each other's best interests. And I think that's a level that many boards don't quite achieve. Number two is being a champion for a culture of integrity, fairness, and respect. And one of the things we know from a lot of research over the past several years is the importance of the tone at the top. And that's the the modeling that's done by the top leadership of the organization, including the board. And the board both models behavior in the boardroom themselves and also uh, sends a message in terms of what are priorities, what's talked about in the boardroom. And so if uh, elements such as compliance, diversity, inclusion are not uh, dealt with in the boardroom, or they're not modeled in the boardroom, then that sends a very powerful message throughout the organization. Things that aren't talked about 
aren't considered by frontline employees just to be sort of neutral. They're considered to be things that top management does not care about. So I think it's really important that uh, a board that's really high performing uh, be focused on how they can be that champion for the type of culture their organization really wants. And the third is really linking the organization to the community. And that can happen in a number of different ways, but the primary ways are in terms of being ambassadors for the organization. And one element of being an ambassador is related to ensuring resources for the organization in terms of whether that's government funding or whether it's uh, other types of philanthropy. So those are three things that I think when you have a high-performing board, you, you're really getting to levels that are far beyond just good enough. When a board has these characteristics, what is the greatest value or impact you've seen them have for their organizations or even their communities? I think if we go back to the three areas that I outlined, I think there, there are a couple of things. One is that in being a supportive partner to the chief executive, they're really allowing the organization to withstand the very many pressures that are focused on hospices these days, whether it's you know, increased regulatory scrutiny, competition, consolidation, technology changes, this more than just what one person can reasonably handle. And by being able to establish a strong partnership and supportive partnership, and to have that sort of healthy engagement, it really does make the organization much more nimble, much more um, strong in terms of identifying opportunities and being able to make a difference. One of the things that I think good high-performing board can do is to focus on developing a vibrant vision, mission, and values. And I think Many people may be reacting right now and thinking about an experience where they may have had a committee trying to come up with a vision statement or a mission statement and people who are you know, doing wordsmithing for hours or days. But we often gloss over this and don't give it enough value. But having a really vibrant and specific vision and mission for an organization, particularly for hospices, is very empowering. Too many hospices view themselves as doing one thing, and that's providing the Medicare hospice benefit. But that's not a very empowering vision or mission in terms of being able to really be able to answer the question of you know, why should people be supportive of this organization? Why should people donate their time or their money to this organization? Why should they use this organization? And so defining a strong vision and mission and a set of values can really go a long way towards establishing a brand identity and also to identifying who are potential collaborative partners, which are becoming more and more important in today's environment. So that's one benefit. In terms of the the culture aspect and the board being a champion for a culture of integrity, fairness, and respect, there have been a, numerous studies that show the value that accrues to an organization uh, in terms of things like 
improved recruitment, uh, improved retention, uh, improved reputation in the community when an organization has a strong uh, ethical culture. And boards that are not focused there are probably not allowing their organization to get to the point they could in terms of some of those areas. The other thing that's been found is actually that the financial bottom line improves when an organization has a strong ethical culture. So I think that's and the benefits that come from the cultural aspect. And then in terms of the community linkages, I think we see the benefits directly in terms of, again, reputation, referrals, and also the ability to, to raise funds. So a board that's high performing in all three of these areas is going to be a great benefit to a hospice organization. And that's never been as valuable as, as it is today in terms of today's healthcare environment. I can totally see that uh, being of great importance out in the real world with uh, a lot of the clients that we work with. Let me ask you what do you feel a proper balance of responsibility between a board and the organization's chief executive look like? I mean, what are some examples of what a board definitely should do and maybe not do that you've seen out there? Well, that, that's, that's a sort of perennial question that comes up. Uh, clear roles and responsibilities are extremely important. You know, the board has a couple of, of primary responsibilities and they have fiduciary responsibility which is an oversight role they have a strategic role in terms of helping to set direction and then they have a generative role which is a role about providing meaning and if strategic is looking at how do we best get from a to b Generative is more about why are we trying to get to B instead of C or D. And unfortunately, most boards tend to stay stuck in the fiduciary role and spend little time in uh, the strategic or generative roles. And uh, Dick Chade and his colleagues at Harvard have talked about these three roles and you know, would advocate that boards need to be working in all three roles and that too often strategy and, and generative thinking get the short shrift. And I think in the fiduciary role, one of the reasons boards gravitate there is that as human beings, we're sort of uh, predisposed to try to solve problems. And the problem is that if we, particularly as a board, spend our time trying to problem solve without paying attention to what our vision is, we can end up in a very different place than when we look at our vision and then work back from that to figure out how we are moving towards that vision. Let's take a couple of examples. You know, a board has a responsibility to ensure resources. And so part of that might be in the fundraising realm. Board members play two roles. And again, Dick Chade and his colleagues have described them as a steering role and a rowing role. And in the steering role, they're, they're sort of setting direction. And in the rowing role, they're really helping staff to do things. So for example, with let's take fundraising. 
Uh, steering would be ensuring that there is a fundraising plan in place. The rowing role would be more, okay, we're going to help plan a, a particular event, or we're going to go out on a visit to talk with a foundation. In that second role, the board is acting really as a volunteer helping out staff. And they're not acting in their steering role, which is the role that can only be played by the entire board as a whole. So that oversight role can sometimes get sort of gray in terms of how much the board is ensuring versus allowing the chief executive to uh, handle operations on their own. You know, if we look at other examples, you know, for example, uh, compliance, you know, the board members should not be, you know, digging down into uh, the details of the compliance program, but they should be making sure that they're assured that there is an effective compliance program in place. And so they're going to want to see that there is chief compliance officer who's independent, who has the resources that he or she needs. And that's the type of oversight a board should be focused on more than the details of how audits are going or something like that. Really interesting observations. Do you have advice on traits to look for when an organization is searching to add or replace a board member? Or does it depend a lot on the roles that you just described and who would best serve those roles? It is somewhat situational, but I, I'm pretty passionate about the fact that there are some things that are really important to look for in a board member and that sometimes what we've been trained to look for aren't those most important factors. I'm intrigued. Many, many of us have been uh, sort of encouraged to create a grid that you know says we who has marketing skills who has accounting skills who has legal skills and we profile the existing board and we look for gaps and try to find somebody who is an attorney or an accountant or a marketing person and to me those are shouldn't be the primary filters for for looking for board members to me i think the most important are that there's a passion for the vision and mission of the organization, that it's a person who is inquisitive uh, and who will support building a strong team. So, you know, I think it requires more insight than just, you know, looking at a resume and seeing see if it, you know, checks off a box. But I think the more you can get into looking at, you know, what are the values of this person? instead of what, what's their expertise? Or, you know, how are they gonna work collegially with other people? And who are their relationships with? Do they have external relationships, not just relationships to other board members? You know, this person is a friend of one of the other board members. And people who will ask questions instead of uh, asserting that they know the right answers. I think that all of those factors that really get to that importance of a team is really important. And that when we use one of these matrices, we often don't 
go far enough in terms of assessing people's values and how they're going to interact as part of a team. You know, going back to the the culture champion, I, I think also many organizations don't uh, recruit and ask questions about integrity. And there are questions you can ask that get to understanding what a person's uh, values are when it comes to integrity and ethics. And again, those often aren't found in terms of uh, questions that are used during the recruiting process for both uh, board members and for uh, the chief executive. Well, that's really helpful. And I agree that it goes somewhat against the grain. Bill, what other insights about high-performing boards would you like to share that we haven't discussed already? Well, I guess I just would want to emphasize that this is a really good investment of time to, to really try to move boards to uh, the next level of performance. Uh, we do often have barriers and, and chief executives settle into uh, w what they think is good enough that inertia becomes hard to change. Um, I think we're also sometimes limited by the sense that, you know, board members are important people, they're uh, perfect, they're infallible, you know, that suggesting that they need to learn something is somehow an affront. Um, you know, we have all sorts of uh, approaches we use with our clinical staffs that have to do with you know, continuous improvement. And we need to be doing the same thing with our boards because we run the risk when we don't uh, challenge and engage our board members that we're not going to really tap their full potential. And in, as I mentioned before, in today's environment, you need a board that's firing at all cylinders. And if it's not, your long-term viability of your, your organization is at risk. That's really good advice. I want to thank you again for such a great discussion today about high-performing boards and board members. And I'm sure you've given our audience a lot of food for thought about their own board of directors and how to improve them for the future. I really appreciate your perspective and hope to talk with you again soon, Bill. Thanks for being my guest. My pleasure, Stan. Thanks for listening. Watch for future episodes of Transcending Home Care on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. For more content, visit transcendgroup.consulting. <laughs>